0: Welcome to the Crazy Ike Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Teddy. No matter where you are, thanks for making this part of your day. Thanks for taking a listen. Follow me across social media at Crazy Ike Fan on Instagram and on X, Crazy Ike Fan Facebook page. What's up, Ike? See this? Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone's having a good week. Di- Alright, full disclosure here, guys. Uh, I just finished recording an episode and it got deleted. Not too happy about it. But... Here we go, my first recording I felt like it was a great episode, I felt like I brought a lot of energy, especially into something that we're about to talk about, Uh going back to this match over the weekend at Karaskaki, and uh the Ike Addis match from yesterday, the first leg of the cup tie, and also previewing a little bit of the Panathinaikos match. I'm going to try to bring the same energy, here we go, let's do it Ike fans. Hope everyone's doing well again. Hope you're having a great week. So let's get into it. Ike Birod y two 2-1 in Karaskaki. Obviously, we're going to talk about the controversies behind this match. But first things first, let's talk about some of the football. Let's talk about the first half. Uh, I coming into this match. Rota making a start at left back. I was really, really surprised at this. I thought Pigos would get the nod. Since both uh Mohammadi, of course, and uh Hadi Safi are gone through the Asian Asia Asian Cup of Nations. Um and considering how well Pilos had played in his last his first start against Volos, um or I thought at least CD Be would get the nod at left back and Nerota would play at his normal position at right back. Kinda of surprised at that, but I'm like, who am I to tell Almeida how to run his club, you know? Had to put the formation out. Um, first thirty minutes of the match, not gonna lie, kind of boring. Boise back was pressed, very high up, kind of disrupted Ike's game. I couldn't uh, build or hold a lot of the possession. I kind of evened things out. Uh, took control of the ball, had most of the possession in the first half, but could not really do anything with it. And I feel like lately we've been struggling in that final third of the of the. Of the pitch, which I'll talk about later, but not really much into it. Neither team really created any chances. I had a chance off a corner kick with a Vida header that went wide. Um, considering the officiating, and I'll briefly mention this about the officiating: it looked like the referees were letting stuff play at the beginning of this match. I mean, two hard fouls on Rota by one by Rodine. Um I really felt that the, and I like. <laughs> And listen, I'm gonna talk a lot of crap about these referees later on in this mat in, in this podcast, but for right now, I have to say I really like when referees kinda of let the play dictate in, in derby matches when they don't call silly fouls, especially in Greece. We're used to we're used to seeing a simple type of football where fouls are called all the time. Any little hit is called a foul. Um, I like referees that let the game play and let the teams play. He let the teams play a little too much on both sides of the pitch, all right? On And I had good reason to be yelling at the refs for some yellow cards not being thrown around at the beginning of the match. And you could take it one of two ways as a referee. Referees can take out an early yellow just to, you know, put their foot down and be like, I'm not going to stand for this type of play and kind of really whip the teams into shape. Or... They can do what this referee tried to do and let the game kind of play on, but I think some of the some of the fouls were a little harsh to to let play on on both sides again, I reiterate that um, other than that, not really much much into this, of course, like I said, the Vita header, which <laughs> who knows if if you if would have scored if barber went back and looked at this and clearly he committed an offensive foul um, but anyways, at about the thirty second minute. Ike takes a corner kick with Aminabat. Uh, Ike was seeming to gain ground in the, in the, in the pitch in the last part of the second half and really moving the ball forward, but, but not creating a lot of chances. And Ike off a corner kick. Garcia gets a header, strong header, beautiful goal by Garcia. His, uh, seventh and sixth matches. Um, I go one nil up, take advantage of the set pieces. Moments later, Ike make it two nil, and at this point, you're thinking the route is on, right? Or your really hadn't showed anything in this match. Really had not even had an attempt on goal the entire first half. Uh, you know, <coughs> excuse me. As I mentioned before, in the last podcast, in a thread that I'm in, uh, a text thread that I'm in with a bunch of Ike fans from all over, uh, you know, people were saying after Olibeco showed the the bad form that they did against La Mia, that the route was on, we were going to win this game easily, and I didn't want to say this publicly on the podcast last week, but I thought the same thing, especially after it became 2-0, and 2-0 so easily, and I felt like it was going to deflate Olibeco's. Another point that I want to make here is that the crowd lackluster man it, it it sucks watching a derby behind closed doors, something that we're used to in the Greek super league, but again, I'm gonna try not to go down very too many rabbit holes in this podcast as I was framing this podcast and framing the script for this podcast over the past week. The reason why I'm recording it now later on in the week is because I really wanted like cooler heads to prevail. I wanted to get on here Sunday night after the match and kind of go all shades of crazy from all the stuff that I was hearing but I said, you know, I would take a I would take time, take a breather, rewatch the highlights, rewatch the match if I could. Um that being said, it, it sucks to watch a derby without without fans. And I really felt that in both the home and away team, it can really affect the players cuz some players can really feed off of being the villain. Some players can really feed off of the crowd, regardless on whether they're playing at home or away, or vice versa. And I felt that if there was a home crowd there and Ike went up 2-0, these backos players would have been hearing it from the crowd. I mean, they would have really laid into them, considering how awful they played against Lamia, which would have played into Ike's hands. Now, in the reverse, going on later on into this match, when Olympiacos were playing much better, the crowd could have even helped them more. Uh Just... Overall, it just sucks to see this, to see, to watch a derby out of all football matches without fans, no matter where it's at. Fans are what make football spectacular, and it just sucked to sit here and watch this match without any fans, uh, where they could have honestly made a little bit of a difference. Um, Olibiakos get one back before halftime. They breathe some life in Olympiacos. Um You know, going into halftime, I'm thinking one of two things. I'm thinking we just let Ali back in the match, and you could tell, you could tell the confidence level just skyrocketed to Ali the last few moments of the of the first half after they were able to get one goal back and able to get back into it. Um, lovely pass from Fortunis to Masuras, wide open. Masuras with one v one against uh, against Stankovic and beat Stankovic. Uh, just a lovely play by Fortunis and Masuras. to get Olibakos back into it, and you can see the confidence coming back into Olibakos right before the half, so I'm thinking at halftime, alright, you know, hopefully we can get back out there, we can step on the throats a little bit, get another goal, get that two goal difference back, kind of deflate Olibakos again, we'll see how the second half goes, if you're on the side, you're thinking, okay, we got one back. We're only down by one goal. We're back into this thing. You fill Dirty Biakos with confidence by halftime. Second half comes out. Before I talk about the controversy, obviously, because we need to get to that, let me talk about how terrible the football was on the pitch from the Ike perspective. Okay, I'll start with the Ike perspective, then I'll move to close. Terrible half for Ike didn't create anything, had trouble in the final third, especially in the first 20 to 25 minutes of this half. They allowed Olympiacos to gain possession of the ball. They allowed Olympiacos to create opportunities. Uh, They were very, very lackluster in an attack. Even in the latter part of the second half, where they were able to get away and have a few breakaways, still not able to put the ball in the back of the net. I will... Say some things about Almeida here. He made substitutions way too late for me. I think he should have taken advantage of Eliasson's speed. Eliasson should have came in, even though Aminabak was playing very well the entire match. He was, up until the point, I I think the entire match, he was man of the match, really. Um, His aggressiveness, uh, or one of the men of the matches for Ike. Um, I didn't understand... You know, I understand. I, let me rephrase this. I understand that the midfield needed some type of restructure, and that's why he threw Jonsson into the match. I didn't understand taking Garcia out. Uh, Garcia, yes, he did not have a great match. Yeah, yeah, he was able to score a goal. Uh, pretty much gave an assist on the second goal to Zuber. Um, that was I didn't mention this. That was rightfully not called off sides on the pitch. It was called off sides, but then Farr corrected it, and he was on side. Um, but you're taking away your most dangerous striker at that point, and or your most dangerous offensive weapon. I did not understand that because I I felt I kind of I don't want to say got scared in the second half, but with Olibacos pressing, I felt that. Um, yeah, the midfield did need some type of correction. The midfield was getting ate up by Olibeck his midfield at this point for a few minutes in the second half. And then you put Jonson in. I didn't understand taking Garcia out. Um, that's just me. Even though he wasn't playing great, he's had, uh, uh, he's had an act for putting the ball in the back of the net. You're taking your your most dangerous player off the pitch at this point. And I have to say this, um, and I'll say more about it later. Actually let me let me say this to to get into the Odysse game. Um very terrible performance in the second half for Ike. I mean, um Olibiakos on the other hand, let me get to Olibiakos, played with passion, played great, played rejuvenated in the second half. They gave whatever they had to give to try to make something in this game. I have to call it like I see it. And that's how I saw it. Now, oftentimes, we see the reverse, or I've seen the reverse in Kereskaki, where Ike, through the gears have gone, or Ibiakos have been the heavy favorite or have been favored or just have more quality or have a better team as a unit, uh, where I've seen games where Ike have played so well and so deserving of something from that match and have come up empty-handed. Um, no offense to Ibiakos fans, with that statement that I'm going to say, it kind of felt like in this match it was the reverse. That Ike were the better team as far as a team and the more informed team at this point. But Olibiakos did play very well, and they deserved something from that match. And look, I might not, I might shock some people by saying some of these things about the controversial calls, but let's get right to it. The Masuda's goal, it should have stood, in my opinion. It, it, it's a clear goal. I mean... Do I think that the referee in, in, in live action probably thought that the ball had hit his arm instead of his the, up, the upper part of his chest? Uh, yeah, because he did have his arm extended. Um, I know I've seen the back view where some Ike fans and Ike reporters said, look, it clearly hits his arm. I, I think it was a clear goal. But the referee made a big mistake. He blew the whistle before the ball, before the play was finished. So the ref had already blown the whistle, which makes it, it's it's against rules for VAR to intervene at that point. Because at that point that the ref blows the whistle, it's a dead play. So VAR could not intervene and say, hey, you made a mistake here. That goal should have counted. Um, very big mistake. And let me say this, like, we wanted foreign refs. But what the hell are we doing here? What the hell are we doing in the Greek Super League with foreign refs, with refs from Belarus, from Slovakia? Is it really that much worse to have Greek referees? Um, I don't understand it. And I've talked about this before. And I think, you know, yeah, Sodi fans are bitching and moaning and complaining about saying how they're robbed. And it's, and it's their right to do so. And look, I'm not going to sit here and, pl- and play hypocrite and play freaking white knight and say that if the roles were reversed, I'd be saying, oh, you know, it was correctly... No, I, I'd be bitching too. And, and they have a right to, to be angry about this. But all this anger directed towards, you know, Ike's front office and the way Olympiacos's management acts with their new vice president, Alexis kouyas who that guy's a, the biggest joker there is in, in Greek football. I mean, this guy basically said that you know you're taking us back to 1996 who's in charge of greek football 1996 i mean he made these outrageous statements at uh after the match and i don't know why kosmote even allowed him to make these statements for like seven minutes that's shame on them um he wants to supposedly clean up greek football really ray you've been involved in greek football for over 30 years now and you've left You've been the president of so many teams, including Ike. At one point, I think he was Ike's president for a short amount of time. He was president at Ike, and he's left teams in shambles before. Go talk to IL fans and talk to them about Cuyas, or talk to other teams that he's owned in the past and see how well Kuyas has run those teams. Let's talk about the corruption of Alexis Cuyas in Greek football. Asa Masre. Uh, it's it's a shame that Olympiacos, this this powerful brand of Greek football, has been demeaned in some ways by their ownership, and their fans are being jerked around because their ownership is not taking ownership of their own um, their own shortcomings, their own faults they're not running this like a football team anymore. They're bitching and moaning and complaining about this and that instead of looking inward and saying, "Look, we're screwing up. We're doing something wrong here." <coughs> um sorry guys, this is very hard for me to get through because I just did the podcast and in my mind I'm I keep thinking the last podcast was so much better, but I'm trying to push through and get through it and re-record here. Because I don't have much flexibility in my schedule to, to re-record a podcast later on. But it's just ridiculous to me that we have to get these foreign refs. And even, look, and even if you do bring in top-shelf refs, we saw last year what happened. And not to point this out, not to sit here and beat on Olympiacos, because I'm not trying to beat on Olympiacos. But last year, Olympiacos and Ike in in the playoffs, we had an Italian ref that we had an issue with. That, you know, at the end of the game... Uh Marinaki wanted to show his ass and wanted to show off his football skills and kick the ball back and forth and act like a freaking Malaka on the side of the pitch. Although I apologize, that's just the way that it is. how many times have you seen an owner act that way in, in any in any football federation in the world? The president of the freaking Super League at the time. Um and I'm not trying to, to kick Olibiakos or make any Olympiacos fans. I have plenty of friends that listen to this podcast, Urlibiakos fans. Um Every team has gotten, has gotten bad calls from these foreign refs, but this is what happens when you're bringing in, no disrespect to people that might be from these countries, but when you're bringing in refs from Belarus, from freaking Slovakia, from Slovenia, from freaking Timbuktu or whatever, are, they, are, are these refs from these federations? I mean, even if they're the top refs in their federations, are you telling me they're that much better than the Greek referees? But the problem is, what do you do now? What do you do? Because the Greek referees that you're going to bring in, how are they going to referee these games? Kominis did an interview on Betarades not too long ago, where he's talking about you know certain moments, and he talked about that infamous Balkic um, match in Tumba a few years ago with Savili, where Savili came on the pitch. You know, it was a it was a it was a it was a derby match, and rightfully so, it was one that um, pretty much decided the championship in that year, and that's the way it was even previewed. That he said he talked to the linesman and he asked the linesman, did you see anything on that play? And the linesman says, yes, I saw an offsides, but how do you call an offsides in here? Meaning, how do I, in front of these thousands of Fa- Falk fans, dare to bring up the flag and call this an offside right now? You know, now this is also hearsay. Who knows what actually happened? And I'm not going to go into the details. If you want to listen to that interview or watch that interview on YouTube on Betarades, more than welcome to. Um, But I found it very interesting, because then he's talking about, you know, he got death threats, he had to hang up his whistle, because he just didn't want to do it anymore, and that's an issue, because that's the only part where I can see there's a benefit to bringing on foreign refs for these Derby matches, because you're bringing in foreign refs, this ref does not give a shit now about what's going on about Slovakia, he's back in his country, he's hopefully going to get his money from Apple to come referee this match, blah, 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 whatever. But a Greek referee, you know, Comini was talking about they were sending death threats to him and his family. We have to look at that from a human perspective. How does that happen? How do we fix this as a Greek society? The problem is, is that it is a cultural issue. I've talked about this before. We're sore losers. Very rarely, even myself, do we ever lose a Derby hand. But the, the only way this Derby result could have could have been accepted by the fans is if I completely continued to smash them, and this was a smashing of like 3-4-0, and then you don't have anything to complain about because your team got smashed. But Olibakos showed resiliency, and yes, the Masura's goals should have counted. But how do you... I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how they fix this. But it has to be fixed, because what? what's the point of bringing in these foreign refs from these smaller federations we're going to have to grow up as a, if we want to consider ourselves a serious European football nation, which is not going to happen. And I truly believe that things in Greek football can be cleaned up if they really wanted to. They just don't want to. That's my honest-to-God op- opinion. You know, you don't see this in another in, in country. Yeah, you might see a riot here and there. You might see a journalist say something about a certain call, or you might have talking heads on on BBC or whatever, Sport Italia, talking about different calls and whatnot, but you don't get this. And what happens is, what's gonna happen? Now, instead of Olibiakos fans saying the team, the front office has put a shit team together. They cannot bring a team, they cannot keep a manager long enough to put a team together. We don't have the patience for that. In Greek football, not just Olibiakos. But in Greek football, we don't have the patience for that to go through one losing season with the same uh, manager and give them a chance to be a, a a good manager and to to build a team to give kind of a haul, for example, the the current coach of Olympiacos an off season to see what he can do. We don't have that kind of patience. You know, it's it's kind of they're they're bitching and moaning and they're acting like a bunch of spoiled brats and they're acting like. Um, like ridiculous, they're they're throwing they're throwing everything under the bus. They're throwing everybody under the bus and making it seem like it's some kind of conspiracy. Me as an Ike fan, and I'm sure if you were to talk to fan, a Kos fan, or a fan, fan, a Pauk fan, in Ariano. they tell you the same thing. And on down the line, any fan in Greek football, they've probably seen bad calls, both by foreign refs and by Greek refs. It's a part of football, man. It's a part of sport. When are we gonna get over this? Like I know this sucks. I completely 100% understand on the fans cuz for me that goal should have counted. That goal should have went to VAR and the goal and and for me it it should have counted. I don't think it was a handball at all. So I 100% get all the fans, but it's just one match. And now they're talking about uh they were robbed of 11 points and the oh, should be ahead in the table. Okay, I'm if you've had such a good team where you feel like you need to be 11 points ahead of everyone else, or you feel like you've been robbed of 11 points, then why did you fire your manager a month ago? If you feel that you were playing such great football, why have you gone through whatever it is, five or six managers over the past year, or however many it is, over the past couple of seasons? And you're 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 gonna say you that that's Ike's fault. That's Ike's fault that you have Varejos in defense and you don't have another center back to pair with Varejos. That's Ike's fault, or the fact that no transfers have seemed to have worked out for Libekos. And now, look, I'm not trying to throw Libekos under the bus, or I'm not trying to talk junk about uh, another another Greek football team because I like I said, I know there's a lot of Libekos fans that listen to this, and I have a lot of Libekos fans from my personal life that are, are listen to this podcast, but. You have to look inward, and everybody has to look inward. When I were going through the same struggles a couple of years ago, we didn't come out and say, yeah, there's, there's chance, and there's always going to be people that are going to be conspiracy theorists. And I know I've said some conspiracy theorist stuff before about Marinakis and blah, 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 blah. I'm not, I'm not going to deny that. But at the same time, we took a look inward and said nothing is working. We're bringing in coach after coach, manager after manager. It's hard. And, I mean, you want to... Look, I'm going down a rabbit hole here, and I'm going to do this for another minute or so. But, anyway, actually, let me not... Let me me reorient myself. I'm sorry. I told you guys I was probably going to go down a rabbit hole at some point. But, I think it's just ridiculous when you have teams that are acting this way, and then you're adding fuel to the fire that already is bad, a bad environment in Greek football. So, how do you expect fans that take every word that comes out of the Paez mouth, for example, as gold, or it's us against them, or us against the world, or it's us against Mili Sanidi, the bad guy in Greek football, Mili Sanidi, Alafuzo, and Savidi, and you got Marinakis on this side. How do you take that and then not expect there to be repercussions in the stadium? You don't expect people to go crazy. Like, I mean, look... If there were Olympiacos fans in the stadium and the same calls were made, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some type of issue in, in the stadium. If you if you're if you're if you've been preached all season long and for the last couple of years that someone is against you instead of looking at your team and saying, No, we're a shit football team right now, we're a crap football team right now, we're in terrible form right now. Instead of looking at it from that perspective and you're thinking the whole world is against you. Uh, I mean look I have to say this and I, and I mean no disrespect to Olibiakos. Massive club. The the biggest club as far as titles and then and, and population in Greece, hands down. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna debate that. I'm not gonna argue that. But they're turning Olibiakos into this into this this little fucking little damn like a chihuahua that's just going to sit there and freaking bark and annoy the shit out of everyone else because they can't get their shit together. Anyway, let me uh, let me backtrack here. Apologize for the bad language. So then, Olibacos <laughs> should have been given a goal. The pen, As far as the penalty is considered, uh, on, oh man, what was that Olibacos player's name? I can't remember his name the uh, the Collins, the penalty it's supposed to be committed by Collins. Look, for me personally, that wasn't a penalty for, and it could have been called back for two reasons. On the replay, you clearly see the attacking Olibakos player that it's escaped my mind right now pulling on the jersey of Collins as they're going for the ball. And then also when the tackle is made, you clearly see Collins hit the ball first. So, I mean, I don't... I've seen those given as penalties before, but I've also seen them not being. But if that's a penalty, then Pineda is, is ten times more a penalty the 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 foul that Leto commits against uh, Bineta in the box later on in the match as Iker trying to uh, can, trying to counter and put this game away. And that's and that's something that I will and I, and I'll give this whole referee talk a break. If you want to say the fix is in. As I've argued with with a good friend of mine that's an Back fan, we were talking about this a couple of days ago. That you know he was getting very heated, and and look, I get it. I've been on the opposite end of this, so I one hundred percent get where he's coming from, and and I understand it. And like I said, if if the roles were reversed, I wouldn't, I would have not deny that I would be heated too, and I'd be bitching and complaining about it too. But if if the fix was in a In the first half, there should definitely have been at least one yellow card on Rodine. The way they were fouling Rota was unfair. There should have been some yellow cards on Ike players, too, to be fair. Why not would the ref not, or VAR, not call the penalty on Pineda, then? Why would they not call the penalty on Pineda and be like, okay, let Ike get their third goal here. We've done our job. We were told to let Ike win, as some conspiracy theorists think. Out there, that uh, Ike gets all the calls, and we, we the referees are always for us all of a sudden for some reason, which I can tell you is completely false. But, anyways, um, and then when freaking Rota I mean, not Rota, Retso goes WWE when CDB is uh, countering, and Retso's the last player, and Retso freaking clotheslines him. WWE clothesline. Live, I will admit, live, I felt like it was just a tussle, like the players were going for the ball, and I thought that C D Sidibe, like all footballers sometimes, you know, you barely nudge them and they fall down and they act all dramatic. Um, I thought that's what was going on, but that wasn't the case. When you go back and see the replay, you clearly see his arm hit him in the face, clothesline, WWE style, like he's freaking Stone Cold or something. Should have been a red card. I mean if you want to talk conspiracy theories and say why, you know, that I, that this game was supposed to be given to Ike, I'm not going to deny that Olibecos were robbed. They were at least robbed of a goal. They were at least robbed of, on both the Collins penalty that Olibecos is screaming about and the the Oretzo's the, the, the penalty on Pineda, both of those should have been looked by VAR. I think the referee should have been called to go look at both of them. Um... To me, the Pineda... And I'm not trying to be a homer here... But the Pineda penalty was more of a penalty than the... Than the Varetsos penalty... Um, <coughs> I mean the... Than the Collins penalty... Uh, then, I, then I don't know... The bottom line is... Something has to be done about the, the officiating... And something has to be done... And it's hard to change the culture of Greek football... Overnight... And it's not going to change when you have people like Guias... Firing up an entire fan base... Now... Most logical Olibecos fans that I'm talking to right now are going to say, okay, we don't agree with everything that you say, but you do have a valid point in, in, in some things, right? Um, most logical Olibecos fans are going to see things the way that I see them. That this is just football. This just happens. This just bad calls. Bad calls are made in sports every day. Bad calls are made. In sports, where bad calls are made in 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 Germany in the Bundesliga, bad calls are made in the Premier League. For God's sakes, I know there's a lot of Prem fans out there. Those of you that watch the Premier League every weekend, there's something you know no one even knows what constitutes a handball anymore. If you watch the Premier League in in Italy and everywhere else, but you have to you have to learn to live with that result and you, you learn to live with it and, and move on. Now, someone might counter that and say, okay, well, this was, Teddy, this was a big match. This was a match that could potentially bury Olympiacos as far as the championship is concerned, even though I don't think, I think they're very talented. If Carver Hall can get them to play football, you can never count Olympiacos out. Is it going to be very difficult for them to overcome a six-point gap for Mike and not just that, to overcome three other teams that are ahead of them? Absolutely. If it was just if it was let's say a head-to-head race between Ike and Olibiakos and I just gained a six point gap against Olibiakos, I would say, okay, like it's it's definitely not over yet. I mean, I don't think Olibiakos are are dead and buried, as some people in the Greek media have called it, but I also don't see them uh putting up much of a fight. Now they fought in this game. I will give Olibiakosh credit, and I wanna make sure that I go on record is that they played very well. They they impressed me because I expected it after two nil of course, probably like any Ike fan in the world, had a big smile on my face, and I thought, you know, finally we're gonna get a win in Karaiskaki. Since uh, the last championship year, 2018. Um, and finally, after many, 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 many years, we're gonna get an easy win in Karaiskaki. You know, I could have seen the score go up 3-4-0. I thought they were gonna I thought we were gonna pump them. But never happened. Liubakos uh, fought back. They showed they showed some heart, and I mean, who who fought back? They're Greek players. Fortunis was all over the place. Fortunis and Masuras. Masura probably had his best game in the last freaking year. Probably for Liubakos. No offense, because we all know how bad Masura misses. That was part of me that when I saw Masura go, what we want to get Stakovic, I was like, oh, thank God it's Masura. Maybe he'll miss it. But you know, he proved me wrong. <clears throat> you know, um, to put this game to rest, I mean, I, I don't, uh, I would never, I would never ever, because of the quality that they have and because they're Olympiacos, I would never count them out. But they definitely fell further behind. And that, I think it makes this sting more than than it sh- than it should for Olympiacos fans. They can already, they're not used to having their team being, they're used to, Oh, well, you back fans, no offense, but you, you 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 were spoiled for many years. For many years, you were spoiled, and, and by sometimes by even December, damn it, the championship was over with. You were used to sewing up the, the championship and then going off and saying, okay, now I'm ready to see we can push for Europe and see what we can do in Europe. The championship is crap, and we're used to winning it from December, so let's see what we're going to do in Europe. You're not used to it being January and being eight points from the lead. Uh, from the league leaders, so anyway, but uh, sorry about ranting. Sorry about all the all the curse words, but that that had to that had to come out of me. You know, I I do think that only I wouldn't say they were robbed, and I've heard those fans say, okay, only were clearly robbed because the score would have been three two, and I would say at bare minimum the score would have been three three, and that's if both penalties go in. There's no guarantee that just because you won a penalty, yeah. There's a high percentage of, that that. Whoever takes the penalty is going to score. But that penalty is not a guaranteed thing. Just because you win a penalty, you're going to score. I mean, it's a high percentage. And definitely uh, the best way to score a, a goal in, in, in football is from the spot. But there's no guarantee of that. Um, so let me move on because move I still want to talk about Addis. And I want to talk about something else. So I had a bad half of football against Ljubljana. Well, second half. Probably one of the worst halves I've seen them play all season. Uh especially in a in a in a derby. Um but this continued into I gotis. got his first leg of the of the cup tie, 0-0 in Philadelphia. Again, the only bright spot. Belios did start at left back in this uh match and he was he was fantastic. He looked great. Mitoglu looked great after making a start at center back, along with Simonski, which was kind of weird. Uh, I know Simonski has played center back in his career. Uh, you know, a lot of changes up front for Ike. Pizarro got the start. Bonse got the start over Garcia. And here's where I have to talk about this. Um As well as Pillos has been for Ike, for me... Pizarro and Ponce and I'm about to say this on the 11th of January and I apologize for anyone who doesn't agree and you might not agree as an Ike fan but I think Ponce and Pizarro are both busts at this point they've shown moments of of greatness they've shown moments of, of good technical ability of football ability but especially Ponce you know we were so excited to get another striker and now a right striker there were a lot of fans that were thinking okay Now we got a true striker. They didn't like the way Levy Levy Garcia played striker last year, even though we won the championship with Levy Garcia, or we won the double with Levy Garcia on on the front line there. I expected a lot more out of these quote-unquote bench players. They didn't create much at all. I don't remember one memorable opportunity. I don't remember one, I think there was a Pineda shot that the Anadi's player blocked. That's the only thing that I remember off the entire game. Now, I didn't take a lot of notes on this game because uh, I didn't watch a lot of it. Obviously, I didn't tweet out the the lineup or talk about it on social media at all simply because I, I started watching it towards the end of the first half and into the second half. But all I saw was two great opportunities where Audi could have scored. I didn't see anything from Mike. And that's a little concerning. Like, what what's going on with the... As I've talked about before, I don't feel like this team can put up put a full performance together. They don't they can't put it all together. They that final third has seemed to be struggling. And we're struggling, and the the concerning thing to me is, and we'll see if this continues to be a trend over the next couple of matches, because it has been. It's not so much in the finishing anymore, but you're also not creating the opportunities that you did. You know, for for months I've talked about this and now I've heard it from other uh Greek football analysts, I've heard it a lot from um uh Vasilis Bobokis, where he's talked about, you know, never fear the team that creates opportunities, eventually they'll start converting on those opportunities. But we don't see them creating, you know, th- this wasn't this was like a normal I think the last count that I want that I saw was I had eight shots with three or four on target, maybe, and I mean maybe is a strong maybe because, like I said, there's maybe one memorable opportunity with Adelaide. Like I said, they had two clear-cut opportunities where they could have easily taken the lead and, and stolen a game here in the first leg. Um, so kind of concerning, especially because last year, I know Almeida would put out a cup squad, but that cup squad would play almost as good as the as the first team. I mean, they would play, you would see them, and they got us all the way to the cup final but playing great football. We remember that first match against Olivera Costa, 3-0 in Philadelphia, um, in the cup, in the cup tie against back Costa last year, how well that team played. I mean, <laughs> you know, and in, and in the the following matches following that, the, the, the squad play, the cup squad played very well. You didn't see this. You didn't see players take advantage of the opportunities given like Pizarro and Ponce. And I don't mean to, to just call them out. I feel like the whole team didn't play well. Now, they are coming off of a high-energy, high-intensity match that was the match of the season that was uh, last week. I feel like we're going to be saying that a lot over the next few weeks, and especially going into the playoffs as uh, things really start to heat up in the Greek Super League. Um, but now you, you're put in a position where there's no away goal rules. Now, in the second leg against Adi, you have to go up there and you have to win um in Thessaloniki. So you have to get the win. It's not enough for you to to get a a goal, to score goals and then to leave with a tie. You know, if it's 2-2 or 1-1, it's going into overtime. So uh and in and in a competition where Adi has said from the beginning of the season, like that's what they're gunning for this year. They really want to try to make some noise in the cup. So very intriguing return leg coming up in the Saloniki next week. So my question to you guys is, anyone out there think Ike are in crisis as far as the front line is concerned? Because I really, especially, it, it was disheartening to see them in the Libekos Derby because I expected us to come out, start creating opportunities, you know, let's, let's put this game away, let's put one, two more goals in and then put this game out of reach. Let's step on Olivia throat, which is something you need to do against an opponent with the quality of Olibiakos. But then I also had the fear of how are we gonna play in the second half? Sorry, I'm taking it back to the Libacos match, but just to get my thoughts out there, I'm pretty sure like most of you were thinking, like, hey, look at the team's current form. We were up 2-0 against Pan uh, we were up two nil against Panatolikos, and in both of those matches we couldn't keep we couldn't keep the lead. We couldn't get the points. And now Coming back full circle. Before I talk, take a few minutes to talk about the Panathinaikos derby coming up. Is how important were those four dropped points? Now, what a difference that would make going into that match against Panathinaikos. Now, with two points ahead in the league, with how everything shook out this weekend, with you getting, with us getting the win against Olympiacos, and with Adi beating Pauk over the weekend. And that's another thing. Adi are in great form. Sorry, brief. Brief side note here, because I'm um, this uh, <laughs> second leg against Adi has I'm sure like most of you guys has you a little worried about are we going to be able to go through and, and defend the cup title, you know? Um, how's the team going to react if we are ousted out of the cup? But let's let's focus on first the Panathenaikos match. Uh, massive Dudby coming up this weekend, and like I said, I feel like we're going to be saying that a lot. Um, in the in the next coming weeks in the Greek Super League. But this one's definitely big with Balkanakos being two points ahead of Ike and being in first place. If they beat us, obviously they move five points ahead of Ike and however many there however many points they'll be ahead of Falk. if we win, we take control of our own destiny and are one point ahead in the league. But here's the difference to me. If you would have had at least those four points from both of those Hiccups before the the Christmas break in the league. If you would have had those four points, and you're now two points ahead in the league, and you beat Jonathan Iguales, here's my prediction. I feel like if the league stays like it is now, where it's close, the teams are within a few points of each other, with Ike being in the mix, like we are right now, it's going to make it very intriguing come playoff time. It's going to be very interesting. But if Ike are able to get away and create some space, and get some distance between now and the playoffs. If if we were hypothetically speaking in Panathinaikos' spot, and beat them over the weekend and went five points clear, alright, let me re- rephrase that, because that's completely hypothetical. Let's say it this way, if Panathinaikos beat us, and they moved five points clear, I don't think that Panathinaikos would be slight favorites, But I don't think they'd be clear-cut favorites. I think if Ike is able to get that kind of distance between us and the rest of the league with playoffs, considering our our Derby record, I think that would be very key for Ike to be able to have that difference. I I wouldn't say the league would be over, but I think if Ike can get any type of point gap, uh, if they open up any kind of point gap like that, I think... um, it can be very, very dangerous. But it's shaking up to be very interesting at the top of the table. And uh, right now, it's a three-horse race with Oliva lagging behind. But in my opinion, still not out of it. And a lot of teams to play each other. We got Panathanaikos this weekend. In a few weeks, we got to go to Tumba and play Pauk, which again will be equally as big match, depending on where the teams are on the table at that time. So very interesting stuff over the way the league is shaking up. As far as the play on the pitch this weekend... Panathinaikos, I think, are really going to come at Ike. Now, I haven't seen them play very much with their new coach. Um, I heard he's a more attack-minded coach than Jovanovic was. I'm expecting them to really come at Ike because, like I said, I feel that if Panathinaikos can get a gap like that to open up between them and Ike, uh, I'm not going to say Ike are completely out of it, but or that Panathinaikos are going to be champions, but it kind of will make things really, really interesting. It would kind of put a lot of pressure on us, on Ike, and it would give a lot of confidence to Panathinaikos. On the reverse side, what happens if we win, and this coach gets his first loss under his belt, Panathinaikos lose a major derby, and we take control of the league at that point? I don't know. Very, very interesting stuff. And let's see what happens with these foreign referees. This clown show with these foreign referees is going to continue. Because who knows how, uh, or, or, or whatever the hell is going to come from Poland or wherever the hell he's going to come from to referee a Greek derby. Let's see how this all pans out. Guys, as always, Forza out thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. And I'll be back next week. <coughs> most likely after the most likely after the the return tie with Adis in Thessaloniki but maybe before then guys have a great weekend enjoy the football enjoy the derby remember to stay calm it's only a football match i know sometimes we can get heated and it boils your blood when you see the things you've seen over this weekend it boiled my blood even if if it was for in favor of my team and let me say this before we get out, because I totally forgot to mention this. I don't want to win in this way. And I don't mean this disrespectfully to Lubecos fans, but I don't want to win a optical style. I don't want to win a Lagavrico 90s style. I don't think Ike needs these kinds of calls to go for them in order to win. I think we have great quality on the pitch. Almeida has built a tremendously great squad. Yeah, it might not be the most expensive squad in Greece, but we're playing good team football at times. Uh, we just need to play a little bit better and i just don't want to win in that in that in that kind of style uh anyway guys i get I'll talk to you guys later.